Today's episode is brought to you by Anchor Podcasts. They're our new partner here at the Mac Report, and their mission is to democratize audio. Anchor believed everyone should be able to have their voice heard, regardless of background or experience level. And if you've ever tried a podcast before, you know all the logistical barriers that can stand in your way. At Anchor, they aim to remove every single one of those barriers. Their goal is to make podcasting easy and fun without sacrificing the quality that every podcaster deserves. It's so easy with Anchor Podcasts, you can even create a podcast from your phone. To learn more, visit anchor.fm today. Welcome to episode 53 of the TMR Podcast. I am Mike McMahon. Our guest today is the head coach of the Merrimack baseball team, Nick Barisi. And uh, we talk a lot about their season uh, and and just what's going on right now in college sports. They, they don't know what's going on. It, it's kind of crazy. I mean, we saw what happened yesterday with the NCAA tournament going without fans. And now we're recording this on Thursday morning, March 12th. I mean, there's a possibility. There's talk that that may even change again today. And they may go uh, with, with either postponing or canceling the entire tournament. We've seen the Ivy League cancel all of their spring sports. Uh, the Patriot League announced today that they've canceled all of their spring sports. Uh, there's a story up on how the Ivy League uh, cancellation was going to affect Merrimack. It affects a lot of their programs. We don't. I don't know with the Patriot League. I have to go through and see how many teams from the Patriot League uh, Merrimack is supposed to play in different sports. But I would imagine it's it's quite a few. Uh, I know. I think the golf team has a. a yeah, women's golf has a match against Holy Cross at some point. Uh, there, I, I don't know if Holy Cross or Northeastern or any of those other schools, Northeastern CAA, but uh, BU. I mean, there, there's a lot of Patriot League schools in the area that, that Merrimack may have matched up with. I'd have to go through the schedules to find out for certain. But there's a lot going on. Uh, we don't know what the NEC is going to do. I mean, the NEC could certainly follow suit and just say we're done with all of spring sports. We don't, we don't know. Um, <clears throat> it's a very fluid situation, obviously. We know that the NBA – Suspended their entire season last night, so there's a lot of moving pieces to this, a lot of moving parts. Uh, from a hockey's tournament standpoint, as of right now, as of right now, uh, BC, UMass Lowell, and UMass are all hosting their series without fans. Maine hasn't announced anything yet, um, but there was also word this morning that the Providence team was on their bus this morning getting ready to go to BC, and they may have been told to get off the bus. So now we don't know what's going on with that either. Um that was a report that was out there on Twitter this morning. I, I haven't been able to con- confirm that myself, but uh, it was out there on Twitter that Providence was told to get off the bus. So uh, hopefully that that was either incorrect or, or something maybe misconstrued. Who knows? Uh, but there's a lot going on. The, the point is, is there's a lot of confusion right now. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of, of uncertainties moving forward. And I'm hoping that no matter what happens, I, I think it's smart to to play this as safe as we can play it as a society and as a as a, as the NCAA and pro sports and just try to, to contain this as much as we can. Uh, I listened to a great interview on, uh, I don't know if anyone else listens to the Joe Rogan podcast, but he had on an infectious disease doctor. Uh, I think it was earlier in the week uh, from the university of Minnesota who really explained in a very intelligent way, but, but in a way that people can understand why it's important to to stay away from crowds, and and while it may not affect someone like like me, for instance, a thirty five year old man is probably with no underlying real health issues is probably not going to be affected by this. You know, it's probably going to manifest the way that that a flu would, or just a really bad cold. But I could potentially carry it to someone who's older, who it would affect 
considerably and, and maybe fatal or someone with an underlying health issue where it could be fatal. So that's where we need to, to try to stop the spread. So from that standpoint, I think we need to be as safe as possible. We, we need to, to take the necessary steps to try to make sure that this doesn't spread and that we can contain it and control it. However, uh, while all that's important, I just hope, and I, it's hard, uh, but, I, but I hope the NCAA does the right thing for the student athletes. If your senior season, especially the seniors, I mean, if your senior season is getting canceled, uh, I hope they do the right thing and let those players return. Give them a red shirt year, do whatever it is. I mean, what what becomes difficult, though, is, is sports, like in baseball, uh, I know baseball is one of them, but sports where you have a roster cap, uh, maybe those caps go away for a year. And, and you're allowed to carry 40 players instead of 35 or something uh, just so that you can have those seniors return. Because if you have a roster cap sport and your seniors all get redshirt years and all come back, now you've got freshmen coming in that you've got to push off. And what are they going to do? And, and it just it becomes a really big mess. But I'm hoping... I'm hoping that they figure out a way uh, for the, the seniors to not be affected because to to be a senior and have your your college career and let's face it most I mean the NCAA says it in, in a lot of their videos like 99% of their athletes do, do not or go pro in something other than their sport right uh so it would be a shame for these athletes to have their careers end on on this you know I I really hope that they find a way to do the right thing and, and let the seniors come back next year on a redshirt year or something. Uh, but if there's also, you know, costs associated with that too, from the school standpoint, are they going to honor? So how, how do you deal with the scholarships? Uh, do you allow them their scholarships to carry over? And then you could have an uneven amount next year where some teams have more scholarship players than other teams. I mean, it's, ugh, it's not something I'd want to deal with for sure. Uh, and it's, it's, there's a lot of moving parts to it, but hopefully uh, with, with some thought and consideration, there's a way to allow the seniors to still have a senior season, even if it's next year. Um, or, or hopefully, I mean, may, maybe who knows, maybe, maybe we pause and, and postpone things for a couple of weeks and we're able to start up again, you know, the middle of April. And, and instead of having NCAA championships in May and June, it's in June and July. I mean, maybe we extend it and do something like that. Who knows? Um, but it does seem like there's going to be some measures taken and we don't know how it's going to affect Merrimack yet. I mean, we know some of the games that have been canceled against Ivy league opponents and now against Patriot league opponents, but we don't know what's going to happen with the NEC. Uh, they, they haven't announced anything yet, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. But there's there's a lot of moving parts to this. So we do talk a little bit about that uh, with Coach Barisi at the beginning of the interview, just how he's dealing with it with his team, how they're approaching it as a team, uh, how they're going to kind of try to deal with this thing moving forward. And, and uh, we didn't talk much about how uh, the NCAA has held it because, again, he said it's out of our control. You know, we can only do – with, uh, we can only do what, what the people above us tell us to do. And, um, but I was interested in, in how do you deal with your players who I, I'm, I'm sure want to play these games, right? The, the players all want to play. Uh, I, I know that's been a big thing with, with the basketball tournament, the players all want to play, but you know what? Sometimes the, the, the governing bodies need to say, okay, well we need to do what's, we need to do what is safest here. Uh, but I hope there's a way, and I think there is, and, and again, I haven't even really thought about it yet, but uh, I, I, there's got to be a way where we can be as safe as possible with all this, but not see a bunch of senior student athletes not get to play their final season. You know, and I don't know if that's extending them to next year, like I said, on, on red shirts or what, but I'm, I'm hoping that the the governing bodies, the NCAA, can can figure out a way for these guys to not lose their senior year because that would be 
I mean, honestly, that, that'd be that'd be heartbreaking for for these guys. So hopefully, there's a way that they can figure that out, and there has to be. You know, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. Off, off the top of my head, this is all changing by the minute. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be an answer out there. There's got to be a way for them to be able to uh, allow those seniors to play, whether it's later on this spring, whether it's next year, whether it's whatever. Uh, there's got to be a way for for them to to find a, a solution so that these these guys don't end up essentially getting you know, locked out of their senior year. So uh, we talk about that. And then we we also talk a lot about baseball. You know, we 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 talk about the uh, the the coronavirus stuff at the beginning of the interview, but then we talk a lot about baseball and just how the the first series at Oral Roberts and Michigan State kind of set the tone for them. Uh, I know the baseball program has struggled a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but they're still. I mean, those first few weeks. Uh, I think really set the tone and set the, the and, and made news around college baseball. <laughs> you know, uh, they made news around college baseball in terms of uh, how they were ready to compete with Division One teams right away. I mean, Oral Roberts was predicted to be one of the top teams in their division, and and Michigan State, well, not picked to be you know one of the top teams in the Big Ten. It's still a Big Ten school, <laughs> you know. Uh, the wor- you see it in hockey, right? The worst Big Ten school is better than the best Atlantic hockey school, right? Uh, so it's something similar. Like the, the, one of the, the bottom teams in the big 10 should, should be beating teams in the NEC. It's just, it's a different landscape. So Merrimack going in and taking three out of four and really almost taking four out of four. I mean, they lost that fourth game in extra innings. So they almost took a four game sweep. That, that was a news making weekend for this program. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about uh, some of the, you know, Nick Shumsky and just the, the season he's had uh, behind the plate. Joey Porcelli and, and, the, and the the career that he's had behind the plate for the Warriors. We talk a lot about the pitching staff. Uh, the bullpen's been really good for this team. Uh, we also talk about uh, just how managing that pitching staff is, is a little different now in Division One with the way the schedule is set up. Uh, that that becomes a little bit easier, at least handling the starters. Um, and then just you know more things about this team. I mean, this, this is a team that that is playing uh, played really well at the start of the year. Uh, and I think if, if the NEC if the NEC season does go on as scheduled, uh, with some of the teams that they've beaten and competed against, uh, should be a team that can compete in the NEC once the league play starts, assuming that and hopefully we get there. Uh, so that is uh, what we've got coming up. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have head coach of the Merrimack baseball program, Nick Barisi, here on the TMR podcast. The world's greatest hamburgers are at Fuddruckers, and we're out to make the world happy one great burger at a time. Try one of our 10 specialty burgers, like the Fud 66 with Hatch Green Chili, voted number one at the New Mexico State Fair. You'll find the world's greatest hamburgers at Fuddruckers. Sage, what about this stick? I like the orange in it. No, Mom, what is this? This stick is so dusty, there's no more Geno's left in it. I can take it from here, Mom. What kind of tweet are we looking for here, bud? Just a stick so I could toss sauce Chef Boyardee style. Something more apples versus buckets. Yeah, as long as I could still snipe Bar South and Selly. All right, I got the perfect twig for you. It's going to be this stick here, mid-flex point stick, completely accurate for buy down every time. This is awesome. I love it. TSR Hockey. We speak your language. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. That way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, 
and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. We use Anchor here for the TMR podcast, and it could not be easier. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we're here with the Merrimack baseball coach, Nick Barisi. And coach, before before we get into the baseball stuff, because I want to talk a lot of baseball, uh, but let's just first start with the story that's obviously dominating college athletics, pro athletics, everything right now. And it's uh, uh, the, the outbreak of, of COVID-19 and, and how the NCAA and how the NBA and, and later today we'll find out how the NHL is dealing with it. Obviously, it's a it's a fluid situation. It's something that's changing by the minute, it feels like. But uh, just what's kind of been the mood uh, with your team? Like, how do you kind of manage this with your guys where there is a lot of uncertainty? You don't know what's going to happen. And uh, I guess just what's kind of the, the the feeling of your of your team right now and how have you tried to manage it with, with the guys where you don't really know what's going to be going on? There's a lot of mystery. You said it perfectly. It's a fluid situation. So for us and the guys, we're just trying to say, you know, this is what the situation is today. Obviously, it's out of our control. So we're just going to go day to day. And, you know, I, I try to communicate every morning and then every night with the team about what's going on and any, any schedule changes and things like that. And, you know, I think the double-edged sword of social media is obviously the, the news gets out there really quickly. But at the same time, they see that other schools are canceling and other teams are postponing things. So they get nervous and they get concerned. And I think what, what we're trying to express to them is, is, you know, not just me as a coach, I think our school in general in the athletic department is trying to really emphasize that, you know, this is a super serious issue and we're going to do what's in the best interest of, of everyone. And baseball is such a secondary thing to what's going on right now. And, and you know, myself personally, I'm by no means, an expert or educated on, on how to approach things like this. So, you know, I've just told them guys, we're going to, we're going to completely support whatever our department and our school chooses to do. And, you know, that's just kind of our mindset is, you know, let's control what we can control, which right now isn't a lot, um, but we can focus on us and just every single day, just take it one day at a time, but understanding just the gravity of what's going on and, it is a really serious concern for everybody. Yeah, and that seems to be the, the crazy thing about it is no one really seems to know. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday morning, and uh, the NCAA tournament for men's basketball announced yesterday they were going to do no fans, but now there's talk that that might even be reconsidered this morning. I mean, there's uh, from about 8 p.m. last night until 10.30 or whatever it was, it was kind of the craziest couple of hours I can remember because there was something new happening, like every 15 minutes. Something was happening. Uh either with the NBA or, or, I mean, there was, I think Tom Hanks announced that he, that he's tested. I mean, there's, there was, it was craziness for, for about a two hour period. And I think you kind of have to, the smart thing to do, and it seems to be what people are doing today is, is like you said, taking the necessary steps, taking the safe steps, but also kind of letting the dust settle a little bit and taking a deep breath and saying, okay, what realistically, what, what is the best thing for us to do? What's the safest thing for us to do? Yeah, I mean, we so we played at Stony Brook yesterday, and then we had about a five-hour bus ride home. And like you said, in the span of that five hours, I think, you know, close to a dozen major news stories dropped. And, yeah. You know, so we're trying to navigate all that at the same time, like you said. Like, let's just let the dust settle, guys. You know, nothing that we do or say is going to really have an impact right this second. So let's just all take a deep breath and evaluate things as they come and try not to – you know, we, we don't want to 
do anything other than kind of ride this wave and see what happens yeah. and not get it, not get too overwhelmed with anything. All right, well, let, let's talk some baseball because you guys have played a lot of baseball so far, and uh, hopefully there's more to be played ahead. We'll see. Um, but let's start off with that, that opening weekend. I mean, it happened about a month ago at this point. Uh, you guys started down at Oral Roberts. How important was that series at the beginning of the year to go down against a team that's favored to be one of the better teams in their league, uh, win a couple of games, take a series split? I, I remember talking with, with Joe Gallo at the beginning of the year. He talked about how big the Northwestern win was and, and – uh, Coach LeBlanc, you know, when they beat UMass, and just how important it was to get a big win early to kind of set the tone and, and let the roster know, hey, you know what, we do belong here. So going down there on the road, uh, traveling all the way to Oklahoma and, and getting a couple of wins against a team that is picked to be, you know, near the top of their league, how important was that just to, to kind of set the tone early and, and let and kind of maybe take those nerves of whether or not this is, you know, we belong here, kind of put all those aside and say, yeah, you know what, we do, clearly. We talked about it all year, and I think that's different. So you go into the fall season and practice, and, and then even into the, the spring, and the, the message was always, guys, we do belong. you got to be confident. you got to understand that if we just play what we're used to playing, we're going to be successful. But once you step on the field, you know, all that certainly changes. And I think even before the win against Oral Roberts on Saturday when we took two games, I think even that Friday night, that close loss, the guys took a deep breath after that game and said, all right, we, we do belong. You know, we were right there in this game. And then we entered Saturday morning with, a, you know, a real sense of, okay, we got this. As long as, you know, we play the way we're supposed to play, we can be successful. So, it, you know, definitely the, the Saturday doubleheader sweep was, was huge. I think that even that close loss Friday night gave them that, you know, all right, here's proof that the confidence we've been talking about all year is, is legitimate. Yeah, and then you go right into the next weekend against Michigan State and take the first three and, and really almost get the four-game sweep. I would imagine coming out of that weekend, uh, yeah, guys, you had to be riding pretty high. Yeah, it would have been nice to get that fourth game. And, I, you know, the guys realize that. But, you know, you, you walk into that weekend and you, you're playing a Big Ten opponent and a name that everybody knows in Michigan State and a really great program. And the way, again, the way that we, we won Friday coming from behind, facing a really good pitcher that was shutting us down for a long time, and then to get to their bullpen, it just it was a gritty win. It, it said a lot about the guys and the team. And then to carry that into Saturday and take two games on Saturday, same kind of deal. It was just these guys were playing with a chip on their shoulder and, and an edge. Like they had something to prove. And it was awesome you know, to see, and, and I, I, it was a proud moment as a coach and as a program, and I was really happy for these guys because how hard they worked and just that mindset that we're here to prove something and everyone's talking about all the success Merrimack College Athletics has had, and rightfully so, and and they just wanted to be a part of that. And, and you got a lot of guys that are, that are hitting the ball real well, too. I mean, you look at the kind of the overall team totals, and Nick Shumsky's hitting 456 through – 14 games. I don't think that stats I got up here don't include yesterday, but 456 through 14 games with an OPS over a thousand. Uh, that's, I mean, when you have a guy like that that's leading the way and doing what he's done at the plate, uh, obviously that's a guy that you've been able to lean on. Yeah, to have that kind of production offensively out of your shortstop is is such a rare thing. And, and Nick is a, a great player. He's a great leader, and 
he's just he's one of those kids, you know, being from Salem, New Hampshire, kind of that Merrimack Valley area. He's he's such a tough blue collar kind of kid, and the guys do they gravitate towards him. They you know you watch him play and you just want to rally behind a kid like that. And what he's been able to do at the plate, you know, he's definitely locked in. What he's been able to do defensively is, I think it's become, kind of become second nature. It's what everyone expects from him because he's such an elite defensive shortstop. Uh, but he really, it really feels like he's putting everything together as a complete baseball player this year. And he's been, he's been a lot of fun to watch. A guy that's been a lot of fun to watch over his whole career, all, all four years. Uh, Joey Percelli hit the 200 career hit mark last weekend. Uh, he's been important, you know, since the second he arrived on campus. But uh, what is what is his impact? But not only this year, but I guess you know over the the course of his four year career, it looks like he's going to end up graduating in the spring as as one of the the best offensive players to probably ever come through the program. Yeah, I think Joey is he's a great story for us program because you know what I always talk about with a kid like him is, is he wasn't unrecruited he wasn't a walk-on he was you know he's a scholarship guy but you know he wasn't the kid that you talked about as the top recruit in the class or this highly touted kid he was a kid that came and he earned his spot on the team he, he had a workout with us in the fall of his senior high school season and that's how he kind of earned his his offer and then when he came in as a freshman he just know had, had everything to prove and showed up every day to practice and did the right things eventually he became the guy as a coaching staff that we talked about we said okay if we have anything happen in the infield he's the first guy to go in and that's what happens you know we had some some issues in the infield his freshman season and we gave him a little bit of an opportunity and he did well and we gave him more opportunity and, and his freshman year he ends up going on a 22 game hitting streak and he never <laughs> comes out of the lineup again so I think it was it was great for other kids to, to see his story. You know, this kid wasn't that super high scholarship guy. He wasn't the guy that everybody knew was going to be great. He just put in the work. He put in the time. And his his consistency with his attitude is so unique. He's just such a mature kid, and, and he's been like that the whole time. He's a really special player. I, I do. I, I feel confident saying he's going to go down as the best offensive player in the program's history. And that's all on him. It's just how much he works and how much he puts into it. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. You know, when you talk about a guy that, that maybe you didn't look at as being one of the top players in the class, it kind of comes in and, and just makes himself that uh, out of how hard he works. Is that something that's been infectious with the, the guys around him? I would imagine it would be, especially as he uh, takes on a leadership role as a junior and a senior this year. I mean, I, I would think that type of work ethic is, is infectious, to the, especially the younger guys. It is. It's infectious. And I think even if you look, you know, a few feet to his left at shortstop with Shumsky, you know, Nick and Joey are, are best friends and they're roommates. And I think Shumsky, his freshman year, got a little bit less opportunity than Porzo did. And, and he was he was fueled by that. He said, well, you know, I'm supposed to be the shortstop of the future for this program. Maybe I got to step my game up a little bit. And, and then all of a sudden you see this gigantic jump that Shumsky takes sophomore year, junior year, and now again, senior year. So I think Joey is, is certainly that motivating factor for a lot of the guys and the younger guys for sure. I think, you know, they just see even, even the small stuff, how he takes his batting practice rounds, how he takes his defensive reps. And they're like, okay, if our, one of our best players is doing it this way. I got to do it that way. Uh, on the flip side. I mean, I know, 
Uh, you had some guys I, I, that were hurt last year that are back uh, on the mound this year. What is, what is the kind of what does the pitching staff look like over these four these first fifteen games? What if, how would you kind of sum up uh, how, how that group has been? So, I've been very happy with their how they've competed throughout the first you know few games here, and, and there's definitely a lot of things that we want to we want to fix or we want to get better at. I think there's been some inconsistencies there, but stuff that we've tried to battle through and you know you look at a kid like Dan Amadon who's one of those guys who's coming back from injury and you know we gave him a spot start against Sony Brook yesterday and he pitched great he did a great job and gave us every opportunity to win and you add in some of the other guys that have gotten opportunities when some kids get banged up or we you know we have to skip a kid's start or things like that again that Oral Roberts weekend is a great example so you know the scheduled rotation for that Oral Roberts weekend was Zapula on Friday, Amadon and Sorensen on Saturday, and Kalazakis on Sunday. And we had a little bit of the flu running through our team a couple days before. So we're, we're in the hotel room Friday night, and I'm talking with Zapula. I say, Vinny, you know, if you're too sick, I'm going to bump you to Sunday. Hopefully you feel better by then. So we moved Timmy Kalazakis from Sunday to Friday. Amadon gets the flu. He can't pitch on Saturday. <laughs> oh, so his, his and his Andover teammate, Cedric Gillette, gets a spot start. You know, no notice whatsoever. He goes out there and gets a win. Riley Sorensen is just our bulldog. He's the most consistent guy that we have in terms of his mental toughness on the mound. He gets us another win on Saturday. And then, okay, Vinny's battling through. You know, he's healthy, but he's still got some of those flu-like symptoms. He goes out there on Sunday and pitches great, too. So that just says a lot about the makeup of that staff. And you know, we got selfless guys there. A guy like Jake Tebow, who, again, another local Merrimack Valley kid. I mean, such a great underdog story. You look at this kid. He's, I mean, if he's 5'9", I'd be shocked. He's not a, an imposing figure on the mound, and, and he doesn't overpower any kids with any of his pitches. But he's just so good at, at buying into what we want to do as a pitching staff and, and playing to his strengths. And he's a kid that by all – you know, by all means, earned a right to be in the starting rotation. But I talked to him before the year, and I said, Jake, we, we need a consistent arm in the bullpen, and right now I feel most comfortable with you as that guy. And he didn't even bat an eyelash. He said, yeah, whatever you need, I'll be that guy. I'll do whatever you want. And he's been he's been incredible. He's been our go-to guy out of the bullpen. I think you look at another guy, LT Pare, who didn't pitch his freshman year last year. I mean, he barely threw. And we kind of joke around. He, he had a streak going on in his head that he reminded me of how many consecutive innings he hadn't pitched and it wasn't anything malicious it was a joke and we kind of laughed about it and and now his sophomore year he told me he said coach goes, i'm going to go play in the summer i'm going to go away into a summer league i'm going to get as i'm going to improve as much as i can and i'm going to come back sophomore year and i'm going to be one of your guys and he did and he got so much better maturity wise and just physically and mentally and now he's our closer and you know he's had a, a lot of really early success that we hope he continues on but again that's another guy that we got you know a lot we, we got very little from last year and just was so great about it and mentally tough about it and now in his sophomore season is one of our biggest contributors yeah it seems like the bullpen's been really strong i mean you're looking uh, the top kind of six guys there three of them have batting averages against under 200 eras under two i mean it seems like that bullpen 
uh, once you've been able to get to them, that bullpen has been strong, and especially towards the end of games, where like you said, it looks like you got uh, six guys on the staff that have saves. You got six wins. So I mean, six wins. There's a save in every single one of them. So you've had bullpen bullpen help that have been able to come in and close out games. Yeah, well, we've tried to really emphasize with our pitching staff is a couple things. One, we're not an overpowering pitching staff. We're not going to go out there and strike guys out. You can see that with our numbers. I mean, we're well below a strikeout per inning, and that's okay. That's, you know, that's not something that we want to try to do because it's not to our strength. So the two things we've really focused on is let's rely on our infield defense, who's a veteran group, who's very good and has had a lot of success. Let's let them make plays for us. And the second part of it is, guys, we just have to compete and be mentally tough. And when we face adversity on the mound, when we give up you know, a few base runners or a run, we have to compete and keep the game manageable because our offense does have the ability to, to erase any deficit. So we have guys that have bought into that. And I think what's been really special is even some freshmen. You know, you look at a kid like Justin Butera, who's a freshman, and his first appearance was a three-inning save. And this is an 18-year-old kid who is just, he's got that bulldog mentality and he's not afraid of anything. And to have that from a freshman is really unique and we're really fortunate. And I think that's just a, kind of a great representation of, of what our bullpen specifically is, has been about this year. I think we talked about this back when we, when we did our season preview a few weeks ago, but the, the way the schedule set up, in D1 where it's all kind of weekend series. There's not as many midweek games. Does that, does that change the way you're able to manage the pitching staff at all? I mean, it, it seems like kind of going through the schedule, you really need four starters and, and then that's it. Where I, I don't know if you would have needed more last year at certain times with midweek doubleheaders or midweek games, but is it is it different at all managing the way you run the pitchers this year where everything's kind of centered on those weekend games? It seems like a lot of it's Friday, Sunday, one game apiece with Saturday doubleheaders. You might have four games in a weekend, but they're all kind of concentrated on those those three days. It's been a lot easier to manage the starting rotation. And the guys know what the routine is. They know what days they're going to go. And the other great thing is they get a little bit of that extended rest. So, you know, normally you think about you pitch on every fifth day. Well, because we're not doing a ton of midweeks this year and we're mostly on the weekends, you get that extra day of rest, which – I think you talk to any pitcher, you know, they relish that opportunity oh, to sure, get yeah. extra rest that they can. The bullpen has been, honestly, from a coaching standpoint, it's, it's one of those things you look forward to. It's fun. You get to manage a bullpen and, and think about, you know, okay, if this guy goes Friday, how many pitches can I throw him where he could come back potentially on Sunday? And So it's, it's a lot of moving pieces, but that's kind of the, the enjoying part of the job is that you get to do things like that, figure out when you can give guys some opportunity and how you want to use specific guys. So, you know, we have a little bit more depth this year than we've had in the past. So it's been great to think about, okay, you know, if I have if I have Amadon throwing on this day, who's a left-handed pitcher with a, a pretty low arm slot, what right-handed pitchers out of the bullpen do I want to match him up with and yeah. try to confuse the hitters and try to give them a different look? So it's it's been a lot of fun, and I know that sounds kind of um, – like a strange thing to say, but it's just it's the the managing part of the job that I really take a lot of pride in and, and enjoy. And that, that team defense, I'm sure, like you said, is an equalizer as well, especially in the infield, where if you're going to pitch to contact, you know you've got an infield behind you that that's going to 
more often than not make plays. I mean, you just look at the numbers, better field percentage than the opponents in games, less errors. I mean, it seems like that, that infield defense especially has come through and been able to make plays when you need them to. Uh, and I'm sure some of that too is, is pitchers making sure they keep the ball on the ground. Yeah. Again, you look at a guy like Jake Tebow and Timmy Kalanzakis, a lot of our guys are, are sinker ball guys, and and that plays right in the hands of, of what we want to accomplish. And you look at our infield, you know, Porcelli at third base and Chumsky at shortstop. Thomas Joyce, again, I think is one of the best defensive first basemen that I've ever coached. And then with the freshman, Alex Habe at second base, Habe is probably, unless something crazy happens, the shortstop of the future for this program. And he's a kid that can, I mean, he can literally play any position on the field, but he's such a unique athletic talent. And you look at his numbers, you know, in the weight room and his his 60 time and his vertical leap. I mean, this is a kid that, you know, for lack of a better term, jumps off the page at you. And to have him at at second base just makes our range as as an infield that much better. And there there have been plays that this infield has made already this year that you kind of, you just shake your head and you, you don't even know, like you almost laugh because how, how in the world did we just make that play? But we have such a high level of athleticism all throughout the infield. It, it makes our pitchers, I think it gives our pitchers a sense of confidence. All right, well, uh, that's, uh, we're almost out of time. I wanted to make sure that we, we touched on anything. Is there anything that uh, anything you'd like to add before we finish up? No, I think for us right now, we're just, you know, it, we started off great. I think we're we're battling some adversity right now, but that's something we talk about as a team all the time, that there's ebbs and flows of the season and you're going to battle a lot of adversity. And we're just trying to get back to that mentally tough, physical, blue-collar style of baseball that made us successful early in the year where we had that chip on our shoulder and we had something to prove. And, you know, obviously, as we talked about at the beginning of the interview with some of the things going on right now, it, you know, you just hope for the best and hope everyone obviously stays healthy and safe and that at some point we do have an opportunity to get back on the field again and, and hopefully get back to playing our style of baseball. He is Nick Barisi, the head coach of the Merrimack baseball team. Coach, thanks for taking the time today. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike McMahon CHN, and you can follow the site at The Mac Reports. If you're a Facebook user, you can also find us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye.